Hello, and welcome back to The PA Way. I'm your host, Allison Callahan, and today we're going to start a discussion on hyponatremia, which will continue in the following podcast. I chose this topic because it is one that I've always struggled with. The terms are confusing, and oftentimes there's more than one variable contributing to the patient's presentation. No matter how many times I've reviewed this topic, it never hurts to go over it again. But before we get started, let's go over some of the terminology. Hyponatremia is defined as a serum sodium of less than 135 milliequivalents per liter, and abnormalities in serum sodium concentration are a reflection of an abnormality in total body water. Let me simplify. It's more of a problem with water balance than sodium concentration, which we'll be covering in much more detail, but always keep that in the back of your mind. Osmolality is basically the concentrate of solute particles in a solution. The osmolality of plasma can be calculated by taking two times the serum sodium plus glucose divided by 18 plus the BUN divided by 2.8. Don't worry, you don't have to do that math in your head, and I promise that won't be on the quiz later. Although, if you know that equation, it will be easier to understand the different types of hyponatremia. Water can easily pass through the cell membrane, but sodium and glucose cannot. Therefore, you can use the same equation to determine the tonicity. Just take out the last variable, which is the BUN. BUN can also pass freely through the cell membrane. So tonicity is also known as the effective osmolality. For the purposes of our discussion, we'll use the terms interchangeably. There are a couple of hormones that play a role in sodium concentration and water balance. ADH, also known as antidiuretic hormone, or vasopressin. The second that we'll briefly cover is the steroid hormone, aldosterone. ADH is made in the hypothalamus and is secreted by the posterior pituitary. It works on the collecting tubule of the nephron to reabsorb water and return that water to circulating blood volume. ADH production and secretion is stimulated by a couple of different mechanisms. There are osmoreceptors in the hypothalamus that can detect even subtle changes in osmolality. When osmolality is high, ADH is secreted and the kidneys will reabsorb more water. Thirst is also stimulated, increasing free water consumption. When osmolality drops, ADH is suppressed and the kidneys will excrete more water, leading to a relative rise in the plasma osmolality back to normal. Aldosterone is a hormone that is generated by the adrenal cortex. Stimulation of aldosterone can be a result of a drop in blood pressure or decreased blood volume. Aldosterone's effect on the kidneys is to increase both sodium and water reabsorption. There are also some non-osmotic factors that also play a role in fluid and electrolyte homeostasis by also stimulating the secretion of ADH. There are arterial stretch receptors found in the aortic arch, carotid sinus, and pulmonary veins, which can detect drops in blood volume and arterial pressure. These stretch receptors stimulate ADH, which again leads to the increased free water absorption, increasing circulating blood volume. We also need to discuss the difference between extracellular fluid and intracellular fluid. Intracellular fluid is just that. It's the fluid within the cells. Extracellular fluid is the fluid around the cells, which is called the interstitial fluid. 
Extracellular fluid also includes the intravascular fluid, which is all the blood in your circulatory system. About two-thirds of total body water in the cells and one-third is in the extracellular space. Now that was an abbreviated review of some of the pathophysiology needed to develop an approach to a patient with hyponatremia. History and physical exam is always the best way to get started. History may be limited in patients with severe hyponatremia secondary to lethargy or confusion. It can lead to seizures, coma, and even death. Individuals with mild symptoms may present with very vague symptoms, including headache, vomiting, diarrhea, muscle cramps or aches, restlessness. Symptoms are typically more dramatic if the hyponatremia is acute, meaning it developed within 48 hours. Those with chronic hyponatremia can be asymptomatic, even with profound hyponatremia. Ask the patient if they've noticed any difference in their urine output. Does it appear to be more concentrated? Have they been drinking more water? Make sure to ask about recent weight gain or loss. And never forget to ask about medications. There are a list of medications that can lead to hyponatremia, and we talked about several of those during the Hypertension Medication Podcast. Thiazide diuretics, loop diuretics, ACE inhibitors, angiotensin receptor blockers all have effects on the kidneys, and they influence fluid and electrolyte balance. Physical exams should be focused on assessing volume status. I've said this before. Vitals are vital for a reason. Look for hypotension, tachycardia, and assess for orthostasis. Look for JVD. It may be a sign of hypervolemia. Dry mucous membranes and decreased skin turgor might be your first clues to somebody who is hypovolemic. After a thorough history and physical exam, review your laboratory studies and compare them to old ones if they're available. Determine the osmolality or tonicity. And remember, there is a difference in these two terms, but for the purposes of our discussion, we are going to use them interchangeably. For example, when we say hypertonic hyponatremia, these patients are going to have an increased serum osmolality. For those with a normal osmolality, they would be isotonic. And those with hypotonic hyponatremia, they will have a decreased serum osmolality. Normal serum osmolality is around 285 milliosmoles per kilogram. Hypotonic hyponatremia is by far the most common, and we're going to cover that in much more detail in the next episode. Let's go over some of those key points one more time. Hyponatremia is more of a problem with water homeostasis than with sodium concentration. The solutes that determine the osmolality include sodium, glucose, and BUN, but since BUN can pass through the cell membrane, We'll use the tonicity or effective osmolality to further discuss the different types of hyponatremia. ADH is also known as vasopressin, which can be stimulated by both osmoreceptors and arterial stretch receptors when the body detects any changes in osmolality, circulating blood volume, and blood pressure. ADH acts on the collecting tubule to increase free water absorption and return it to circulation. Aldosterone also has effects on the kidneys and leads to increased sodium and water reabsorption. History and physical exam should be aimed at determining the patient's volume status. Serum osmolality will be used to determine if the patient has hypotonic, hypertonic, or isotonic hyponatremia. 
Now let's apply what we've learned to a ROSH review question. A patient with diabetic ketoacidosis with a serum glucose of 756 and an increased serum osmolality of 301 milliosmoles per kilogram is found to have a low serum sodium of 130 milliequivalents per liter. You've calculated the corrected sodium concentration as 141 milliequivalents per liter. How would you describe this patient's hyponatremia? A. Pseudohyponatremia. B. Hypertonic hyponatremia. C. Hypotonic hyponatremia. Or D. Isotonic hyponatremia. The answer is B. Hypertonic hyponatremia. The patient's serum sodium is low and the serum osmolality is high because of the elevation in his serum glucose. In isotonic hyponatremia, also known as pseudohyponatremia, the serum osmolality is normal. In hypotonic hyponatremia, the serum osmolality is low. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, hyponatremia can be confusing. And no matter how many times I review it, it never hurts to go over it again. If there's a particular topic you would find helpful to review, send me an email to allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, at roshreview.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the PA Way 2. That's the PA Way with the number 2 after it. Coming soon, there'll be another exciting way to listen to the PA Way. All you'll have to say is, okay, Google, play Roshcast. The PA Way is taking a topic from presentation to application. Thanks for listening and join me for the next episode to complete our discussion on hyponatremia.